so welcome guys. I'm really happy to have you here. Um, let me just go ahead and reintroduce you again. Emily Banya, founder of Utali Creative Puzzles, and Zeka Len, general partner at Responsibly Ventures. Welcome, welcome to the panel. I'm really, really excited to get you all's insights on confidence, your careers, how you've built your careers, and you know, all of that. So I'm gonna start with Emily. Um, so tell us a little bit about Utali Creative. Um, first of all, you know, Utali is a very unique name. It's not an English name. Um, and tell us about how you came up with the idea for, you know, Utali and African-centered puzzles. Um, it's a long story, but I'll kind of uh, try to condense it because of time. Um, Utali means uh, tourism in Swahili. And uh, funnily enough, it was uh, my family lawyer who came up with the name because I wanted a very African name and I kept coming up with different kinds of names. And when they kept taking it to URSB, which is uh, where you go to register the, the, the business name, and the lawyer kept taking it there, he's just like, no, it's already been used. No, it cannot be used. So he's the one who suggested, he's like, um, you know, Swahili, right? There's a word called Tutali tourism why don't we go with that and funnily enough that's how the name came about so randomly um but uh, yeah puzzles is <laughs> is the name of the game it's what we produce we make jigsaw puzzles to promote tourism in uganda and our goal and our basic uh, vision for the company is to rebrand africa so we're starting with puzzles and then uh, we're going to shift into helping the government and the private sector basically align themselves to the souvenirs in uh, Uganda. So that's where our aim is going forward. But uh, how it started was, it's a long story. And uh, I lived in Cape Town for a bit. And I worked for the biggest tour company there, which was called Tour Vest. And I was just basically a sales assistant. But I didn't know there was so much intensity that went into just putting systems in place, teaching you the psychology of a tourist, how to sell, how to market, you know. And um, yeah, in that shop, because um, the shop that I actually was working in was the it was called Waterfront, the VNA Waterfront. And I got to meet so many people. I got to learn about what a souvenir does. I got to learn that a souvenir is a package memory. So when I came back to Uganda, I was just thinking about the tourism industry. And it asked me, because I was like, Uganda is so gifted by nature. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. But sadly, <laughs> we don't get as many tourists as I was seeing in Cape Town. And the funny thing is, I lived in Cape Town at the time when it was globally, um, was it? Yeah, it was globally um, rated as the, as the mother capital of the world. Um, so literally all over the news, all over the internet, everyone was like, mother capital of the world, Cape Town, Cape Town. If you go there, you die, they'll kill you. You know, it's so bad. There's drug infestation and all this, there's xenophobia, there's, there's, <clears throat> there's fees must fall. There was so much 
nonsense going on during that time, but still the tourists were coming in, still visitors were coming in. And it started making me realize, like, oh, so Uganda, is, we, we don't have an image problem. It's just that we have maybe there's a lost communication in the translation. So the puzzles came about um, in 2019. I was going through so much angst and anxiety, and um, so I googled about um, how to how to just basically overcome anxiety, and the psychologist was basically talking about um, using chess and puzzles. And I went to one of the bookstores in Uganda, and I bought one. But then I noticed that all of them only had um, these pictures of like the Trevi Fountain, pictures of uh, the Grand Canyon, Paris, uh, you know, just all these amazing tourist attractions in all these first world countries. So I asked them if they had any of any African monuments like Table Mountain, Mount Kilimanjaro, and the lady was like, no. So yeah, that's when the idea came about. And a year and a half later, here we are. Great, great stuff. That's very interesting. I definitely agree that um, I guess because you know we're, we're both Ugandan, so I'm a bit more I'm a bit biased, um, but I definitely agree that we yeah. live in a very a very beautiful country. Zeka, you should come and visit. Um, <laughs> I, I really want to. It, it sounds tremendous, and I'm sorry to hear that there's that story against it, and it being that statistic, it's it's difficult. To... Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, luckily we have people like Emily trying to rebrand, you know, this country and some of the, I guess, bad press that we've been getting. And so, you know, I definitely, I'm very excited to, you know, that's why I invited Emily to this panel, you know, with all the work that she's doing to rebrand um, Uganda. And so, yeah, that's very great stuff, Emily. And... Moving on to you, Zeka. We had spoken, you know, a few days ago, but I just wanted to get a bit more insight into, you know, your background and specifically with Responsibly Ventures, you know, what kind of work do you do there? Um, specifically regarding the, um, you know, the kind of companies and startups that you choose to that you choose to back wonderful i it's a really thoughtful question and i appreciate you having me here and emily i'm, I'm just so impressed by your work and your vision and into both of you i mean you both are pioneering something so great sometimes i oh i think emily you may need to mute the mic with the background noise that Sorry about that. Awesome. And by the way, welcome to Clubhouse. It's really a tremendous platform to connect with people around the world and, and share stories and make new connections. And that's been one of the most wonderful things here, just to meet people like yourselves from a beautiful country and just for to go to your to go to your question. So I'm the general partner of Responsibly Ventures. It's a, a early stage venture capital fund in, in California. We focus on U.S. startups primarily. That's our core focus right now in sustainability and social good, which in sometimes uh, it's, it's kind of a new idea that a venture capital firm would be focused on sustainability. And I'm really excited to also try to pioneer as well. That's the, the great stuff, great stuff. 
I want to ask you a bit more about sustainability and, you know, the public good, uh, because that's something that's really important when I looked at your Twitter page for Responsibly Ventures. And, you know, it's sort of like the larger landscape, I guess, of the world that we're living in. Um, do you see more and more, you know, companies and venture capital firms moving into the direction of backing companies and founders that are, have sustainability as their core business model or, or their core, um, principle in their business model? Yes, uh, I believe that that is the that is the direction things will continue to go. Oftentimes, I look at um, cycles. You have certain sectors that become more robust through time; they have their 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 ups and downs, etc. But overall, if we look at sustainability as an integrated approach to problem solving, both social, environmental, and and economic, those trends I don't think are going to go away the venture capital ecosystem, but also just in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. If, um, if I just take, well, just taking uh, Kelly's, Kelly's startup here, um, people want to be engaged with something that's socially positive and impactful, and they want to be part of the story. And that that's not just the customers. I think it's also, Kelly probably could reinforce this, but to me, it's also about presumably the people you work with, your advisors, your investors, you're getting people excited about something that has so many shared benefits, and I, 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 I think that's very valuable. Definitely, definitely. And so, piggybacking on this idea of you know sustainability and social good, Emily, um, part of your business model is making custom puzzles, and so I have actually one of your lovely puzzles here. There's a picture of a leopard on it. And you have another one with a picture of um, a gorilla as well. So I just wanted to ask you about, you know, like I said, Uganda is a very beautiful country and you are working to promote tourism in Uganda. So my question to you is, how do you see yourself, you know, evolving and how do you see yourself you know, promoting Uganda in a different way and promoting our beauty, you know, the beauty that we have in this country in a different way. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so right now we are literally in like um, the, the beginning phases of everything. Um, so we are literally trying to source and partner up with local photographers who actually have the photos of the places we want to use for the puzzles because for the last year we've just been going and, and attending events as vendors and just having that one-to-one -one conversation with the customer asking them what they would want on their puzzles giving them little papers to fill out, to, to take out surveys, to, and to understand our customer, basically. And we realized that the local market doesn't care about animals, because <laughs> all of them were just like, give me a puzzle of a winner market, give me a puzzle of um, 
of nyege nyege, you know, give me a puzzle that's gonna spark my memory, that's gonna entice me to want to buy a puzzle. I don't, I don't care about the animals, sadly, because I see them all the time, and it's just that I feel like the Western world has really romanticized Africa as the jungle or the safari destination, but we're more than that, and so right now we're in the midst of actually creating these new product lines that are basically more people-centered and centered towards actual experiences and cult- the culture of Uganda and the uniqueness of it. And um, in terms of how we see Utali basically impacting um, and rebranding the country and then obviously going forward to Africa is... Um, we literally had an appointment with the permanent secretary of the Ministry of Tourism last week, and they have a project actually that is being funded to help cre- create standards. Because the problem with the souvenirs in Uganda is that they're not selling on the world market because they're not up to standard. They're not. They're not codes of standards. If you put a Ugandan souvenir next to a Kenyan souvenir, even if they're the same, I don't know. There is there is there is a poor poorness in the quality or in the handling in the Ugandan souvenir that is going to make it be rated lower and be sold way cheaper than a Kenyan souvenir. So when we met her, she was so lovely and we were just asking her about that project and we also proposed a few ideas. So those are just conversations we've started having with the actual key policy makers and decision makers because we have so many insights that they're not aware to because the project that they have running is focused on reducing the cost of production for souvenir makers but then we basically ask them but how about research and development how about looking into diversifying the souvenirs how about looking into branding each each major tour destination in the country and creating souvenirs specific to them so those are the conversations we're having at that level but also we have also submitted a grant with uh, the second best uh, creative co-working space in Uganda and through that grant we're still in the process of um, basically uh, admitting it but what we are trying to do with that grant when we get it is um, basically create, um, we're going to build a, a database to basically have a directory about the souvenir makers within the country so that if you go every district there is a profile on at least the, the, the groups that are in the, those communities so that you can have direct access to them and through that um, what we have agreed with uh, Design Hub, the company, is we actually want to also create programs and we were discussing how do we make this person who's making this souvenir be, understand that when they make this product, they're selling their country. They're not just buy, they're not just putting something on the market to get food for their for their child and school fees. They're actually selling their country. So those are the discussions we're having right now and hopefully once they come out, uh, we'll actually be able to make some of the change. Fascinating. So it sounds like you are really trying to, you know, show the other side of this country, a side that's not, you know, seen by most people. You mentioned the winner market. Uh, just for context, Zeka, a winner market is a very popular market here in Uganda. Um, they sell everything from fruits to clothes to shoes to frying pans, you know, the whole nine yards. And Nyege Nyege Festival is kind of like um, uh, California have Coachella, um, 
So I guess Nyega Nyega would be kind of like our Coachella. So, you know, just for context, um, you know, Emily is trying to, I guess, provide a more wholesome picture of, of Uganda. So tremendous impact opportunity. I'm, I'm, wow, Emily shared a vision that's just tremendous. I mean, I can see where this company is going very easily. Congratulations on the success. Thank you so much. And watch the space. We're trying to literally, the image of Africa, I've traveled around the world and I just realized that most countries is just branding. And I've been in the marketing and communications field for about six years now, which is little, but I, I have big plans, so I space. Yeah, it seems like a, like a space that I've just never even thought about. It's so obvious. I mean, how many billions are sold every year in, in souvenirs, just alone, just souvenirs? Amazing. Yeah, it's a billion-dollar um, industry. So Zeka, I want I wanted to ask you about specifically about confidence and how having confidence has shaped your career. Or more specifically, I should ask, have you had moments in your career where you have struggled with confidence? Um, you know, if you're comfortable sharing, if you've had a moment where you have felt tested. Yeah, yeah, in fact, I think on purpose I've leaned into that. I've tried to create situations where I tested myself to improve. I, I personally have always felt a little bit like an entrepreneur. I, I don't consider myself an entrepreneur as much as I do a professional investor. Um, however, in my career as an operator and working on the technical side of things as a data scientist and environmental economist, in all those circumstances, I personally felt that there were opportunities to get complacent or to stay stagnant or perhaps get comfortable. And I've always tried to push myself more, kind of trying to lean into what my capabilities are. I could give a lot of examples. When I first got started as an environmental economist, I haven't shared this, this story on any other podcast, I'll share this briefly. My father was an architect. and. In the summers during college, I would go home and I would kind of help him with drafting and, you know, learning AutoCAD and modeling, 3.3D modeling with architecture. And, you know, it was just a thing to do to make a little extra money, help my father work with him for some time during college. And then when I graduated um, with this environmental economics degree, I thought, well, I'm going to go into the job market and look for opportunities as an environmental economist. There were very few of them. Not many at all, I'll say, because it's such, it was such an emerging field. Still is, really. Um, and so I ended up getting a job at a, at a New York-based consulting firm that had a history of environmental consulting and environmental engineering, environmental science and planning. But the way into that opportunity, I had to sell them that I was worth their hire. And so... The way I did that, in fact, is I, I convinced them that I would learn this software called Civil 3D that civil engineers use. It's basically like AutoCAD on steroids. Even the civil engineers don't want to learn it because it's so technical, looking at like um, mass studies on road design or you know uh, infrastructure for bridges or water flow, etc. It's very complicated. I spent a solid month 
uh, teaching myself the value proposition was that I want. I told them, I'll do this for a year, and I'll do other things as well. I'll, I'll even work in hazmat, hazardous waste. I, you know, got trained in that and, and other types of planning projects. I said, but ultimately, I want to work as an environmental economist. And I said, in one year, if that doesn't happen, I'll find another opportunity. And they agreed to that. And it was challenging, I have to say. In this first solid month, I was buried in the books on how to learn the civil engineering program. I ended up tackling it, ended up doing a lot of projects in that. Then I learned GIS, geographic information systems. I got engaged in doing a lot of environmental studies work on multiple projects with renewable energy, and then effectively pushed myself to get onto the PhD team with environmental economics. And it was all part of the plan, and you know, I was very clear with them that that was my strategy, and they supported it, and, uh, and it happened. And, and it was, uh, you know, kind of back channel how things can go sometimes. I think leaning into an opportunity that you really want is, is an important takeaway. Okay. So, um, it's in, in your story, I noticed that you had to, you know, pick up multiple skills and you had to, you know, like you said, you challenged yourself, but you had to go through all the, you had to, you know, like you said, you challenged yourself, but you had to go through all these different steps. And it sounds like, you know, like anything in life, it required a lot of patience and a lot of um, grit. And it really required you to, you know, stay the course and stay consistent. So do you think, you know, the, those are qualities that you took away from those, you know, from that experience of, you know, going, going through these steps um, in order to get to kind of your end goal? Do you think that carries over into your work as an investor? Really good question. I, I think so. I would be curious what Emily thinks of this as well. I, I think that uh, when you get into the habit of, of focus, uh, I see this as entrepreneurs every day. They consistently focus on executing, and it seems like it becomes more of a habit. I feel personally that it's part of my habit as a, a founder slash investor. I, I personally feel that it's an important factor to just really believe in oneself and push oneself along. Okay, great stuff, great stuff. So Emily, my question is to you now. How has confidence shaped your career? I don't know, the bedrock of just, I don't know, like living out your fullest potential because funnily enough, if you don't believe in yourself, who will, you know? <laughs> so I was basically bullied as a child when I went to schools. I had such a very low sense of self-worth, I had a very low self-esteem and I don't know, that just, that energy just attracts bullies, like you just, it's just like a moth to, to fire, it's just, you're just like bees to honey, like, it's like they can smell your weakness in the air and they just come after you, but um, literally every school I went to, I had like bullies, and then I got to a point when I started fighting back, almost at the end of high school, and then I started fighting back and I became so angry, so I went on the other side of being angry and like being so like, I was, I just became a lion and I was yelling and I was biting everyone's head off. 
And then there came a time where I had to like balance it out and be like, okay, it's not that deep. Like, let's calm down. Not everyone, not everyone is after you. Not everyone is against you. But uh, I noticed that as I started finding that balance within myself, like life just started falling into place. And even when I went through a self-discovery journey, um, I went through this spiritual journey, and then I just went through a mental shift journey as well, just trying to figure out who am I? Who are you as Emily? When they say who are you, what are you going to say? And I don't know if people do this, but I feel like people need to go through this like maybe every 10 years of their lives just to to ask themselves who am i like what do i like to do like if i had a day off like what would i be doing would i be doing it because it's like subconscious mechanism or would i do it because i actually want to do it so i feel like confidence comes in because when i came into my own and i came to realize those answers of figuring out who emily is what she likes who she is when no one is watching, what she wants to do, what does she want to eat um, on a random Tuesday, what does she, where does she want to spend her day, who are the people she wants to be surrounded with. When I became confident in those answers and I wasn't answering them based on hearsay or what I think people want to hear or what the world is telling me I am, but when I became really confident and settled in the essence of who I am, then just, I don't know, the universe and just synchronicity just started happening. Like everything just started flowing. And now I just feel like I'm so confident in who I am and I'm so confident in my purpose and my calling and what I want to, how I want to lay out my vision for my life into the world. And I feel like it's based in confidence. I'm so confident in it. No one can shake me. Nothing can shake it. So I feel like that's important. It's one of the bedrocks of execution because most of the time you're just making stuff up, you know. But if you have the confidence in it, everyone just buys into that confidence. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. It makes sense to me as well. I'm so inspired. Um, yes, there was an echo there, sorry. Um, but yes, that um, makes a lot of sense. And the takeaway that I got from, you know, both your insights, both Zeka and Emily, is that, you know, confidence, I think a lot of people, you know, Emily mentioned you had this phase where you just kind of went from like zero to a hundred, you were very angry, um, wanting to bite people's heads off. But I think, you know, once you... Like you said, once you centered yourself, once you got to know who you were and who you were outside, you know, what people said about you or, you know, all these negative experiences that you'd had and you got to know, you know, who was Emily for real, that's when, you know, things started moving for you. And in Zeka's case, the the takeaways that I got were it took discipline and it took commitment and it took consistency for you to build the skills, for you to push yourself um, to become the person that you are now. And I think, you know, a lot of people, I don't know if you all agree with this, um, you know, a lot of people think that confidence is, you know, this, you know, this thing that just kind of happens naturally. It's like a thing that you're born with. And, you know, they don't realize that it's something that you have to work on constantly. So I don't know if you all agree with, you know, 
the notion that is confidence something that you have to work with or is confidence something you know sorry is confidence something that you have to work on or is confidence something that you're born with I know what my answer is to that I, I have to agree and I and I and I think Emily's story goes to that, but also I've had this same experience where it feels like it feels like just trying to tackle a problem that seems insurmountable. I actually get attracted to them sometimes myself. Like, I, sometimes I go into these these stages where I try to tackle things that are I know that they're kind of even impo- impossible. They're kind of we call them side projects or something, and I go into a phase where I'm, you know, I beat my head up against the wall, just kind of like, I don't, this is not going to happen. Usually, like nine times out of ten, something shows up and it kind of works. Um, you, you know, I kind of like point to programming and, and experience trying to build something that I wasn't in over my head. We'll, we'll put it that way. I think it, some people may not like that. It takes a lot of um, sort of almost like to some degree an obsession some, somehow. Um, I think it's it's healthy to, to realize uh, that you know we need others to help us along our journey. Um, com- I don't think confidence is necessarily a solo thing either. There's probably an aspect of confidence that is, you know, partially our parents are to blame, and perhaps partially, um, you know, our community, our environment is a big factor. Um, getting the right sleep, get, you know, all these aspects, meditation, good diet. They all, I think it just goes back to the story again, Brenner, good observation that, that um, it takes work. Okay. Um, Emily, I wanted to get your insights on that. Do you think confidence, you know, is something that you're born with, or, is, or do you think it's something that you have to work on constantly? Um, I, I think I agree with the Seka in what he says. Um, I feel like confidence, like everything, is like going to the gym, you know? Like, it's about putting in the reps, and you basically have to identify what are the reps when it comes to confidence. And I feel like with confidence, the reps are like what they can say, it's the five senses. What are you listening to? What are you watching? Um, what are you putting into your body? Are you exercising? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you spending the most time with? All those things basically build up that confidence. If you're spending time with people who are basically negative and they don't do much in their lives, you're gonna it's gonna rub off on you, you know. If you spend the day eating burgers and you're always <clears throat> bloated and you're always lethargic and have heartburn, you're going to feel really, 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 very funny, you know, if you're not keeping uh, a watch of your health, you know, it's going to affect your confidence, you know, if you're watching very, 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 very scary stuff, and it's horror movies all the time, and it's, you're watching the news all the time, and they're telling you there's bombs here, and there's this there, and sometimes, yeah, the news is amazing, but sometimes it's just bad news, you know, and it's just make, it's killing your hope in the world, and it's killing your confidence in things being able to manifest or appear in the real world, you know, because, like, when I Google the meaning of confidence, it's basically having faith, you know, and faith is intangible, you know, so I feel like confidence is like going to the gym. How many reps are you putting in? I don't think you're going with it because 
So when we were born, we are just black campuses. Yeah. Great stuff, great stuff. Really I loved, great I loved your observation. I loved your observation about the people we surround ourselves with, with the, the positive aspect and the hope they help bridge. I, I, I absolutely love and I totally Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Um, I think people, I think we tend to forget that, you know, people don't exist in a vacuum. No one exists in the world or goes through the world by themselves. Um, we're all interconnected and we influence each other. So, um, you know, going back to that point that you mentioned, Emily, of um, being very intentional about who you surround yourself with. So if you surround yourself, like you said, you eat burgers all day, you have a really bad diet, that's going to rub off on you. Um, if you surround yourself with people who have no work ethic, who, um, you know, don't want to work and just kind of lay around all day, that's going to rub off on you. So that's a really interesting point about how we all exist in relation to each other. Um, no one exists in a vacuum. Um, so my final point, my final question to you is, you know, both of you are well-accomplished professionals. You know, you're out here in the world doing really great things in your respective um, careers. And so my question to each of you is, what advice do you have for someone who is, you know, an 18-year-old, 17-year-old, um, you know, even like maybe a 21-year-old, they've maybe just finished high school or they've just finished college and they're looking to take that next step in, in their career. They just look at everything and it's like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, you know, COVID has become COVID, you know, the world, everything looks like swelling apart, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So what advice or what wisdom can you give such a person? I'll get I'll keep on going order here it seems like um, this direction with the answering I love this question and it's not one I've been asked much and I, I take it with a deep responsibility in terms of how I would influence someone to make life decisions one thing that just popped into my brain and I think it's an appropriate response is how important it is to find individuals who care about success and don't have some sort of agenda and there's no recipe to finding those people in some ways in my opinion one needs to be very focused on becoming a good version of oneself and in doing so I think that if you pay things forward to your community if you support others and be open to how you can support others you will very quickly find, this is my opinion, you will very quickly find an individual or a set of individuals who are prepared to be a good mentor. And those mentors can really help propel a career. They can, um, they can be good guideposts for becoming a better professional. And in my opinion, it takes stepping back and being open to the wisdom that is, is all around us. That's my Really great insight there. Thank you, Zeka. Um, on my case.
case, I would, um, it's, I, it's funny enough, I had this conversation with my younger cousin, he's 21, and he just graduated with his uh, bachelor's, but he's kind of like a type A overachiever, and he's, oh, his brain is so, he's rigged with anxiety, he's like, I have to be this by 30, I have to do this at 25, I have to do this when I'm 35, because his mom and his dad are super achievers, his mom went to Oxford, and his dad has a PhD, so he feels like he has to, I don't know, like, to, to beat their level of achievement times too. So he feels like he has that pressure to, to like, to, like, hire the bar or something. So, and then there are other younger people I've met who just, they just want, like, money in their pockets and they just want to go out and have a good drink and they really don't care. And then there are those who are really lost and they're, like, on drugs or like really stuck on alcohol and they're just going through that state of the unknown so my advice would be two three things and the first one is be intentional with your failures you know because you are going to fail (laughs) like that's a guarantee and funnily enough before you graduate from from university you have such a shell and a cocoon and a a safety net of failure you don't actually feel the fall when you're falling you know so you don't actually take it as failure because there's something in the back of your head like oh i'm still in school like there's nothing really going on but after 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 university everyone's like yeah you're gonna hit the ground hard you know and that comes to my second point is that just be okay with failure just be okay with it and it's okay not to know it's okay not to it's just okay to just go through those moments where you're just like tumbling and you have no idea what's going on, what's who you are, what you're supposed to do. Just just getting comfortable with that unknown because if you're not comfortable with it, that's where most of like the people, all the guys that age run into drugs, alcohol and all those things, you know, and I can give you an example of myself is that I at some point, I was so uncomfortable with unknowing, I went too much into alcohol. But then, when I started centering myself, and I just started saying, you know what, I'm just going to fail. It's okay to fail, you know? Then things just started working out for themselves. I, could, I couldn't figure it out immediately, but when I look back now, things just started propelling themselves. Like, I, I started getting nudges from the universe, from life itself. Yeah, and uh, the third thing is, sometimes... You just, like, life is going to, like, take, just rip the, 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 the flow from under you. But don't take that, don't fall and then fail and then give up, you know. <laughs> you, can, you can take the moment to actually take in the loss. And it's okay to just stay on the flow and, you know, count your, like, take a breath and be like, ooh, that was hard, you know. But then get back and be intentional, you know, be intentional about your next moves, you know, and every failure, be intentional about what you've learned from that failure and how you're going to make it better in the future. Because if you didn't learn from it, then what was the point of that? Because you're going to end up failing in that same way again. So yeah, that would be my advice. Sorry, it was a bit long. No, not at all. Those are really, really great insights. Um, I agree. It's amazing. So inspiring. Yes. Um, both of you have been really, really inspiring, um, giving us really, really great insights. Um, thank you so much, both of you, Zeka and Emily, for taking the time to speak to me today. Um, you know, we're 
on different parts of the world, but we've managed to connect. So I really, really appreciate you guys um, for taking the time to be here with me. Sorry, my dogs are barking in the background, but oh well. They're excited that's too. A great, uh, that's a great little addition to the show. I love Yeah, <laughs> they're excited too. Um, <laughs> so, once again, thank you so much. Um, this whole conversation has been recorded. So I'll be posting little...